0: We welcome you into the program from Horns 247 Sports and 104.9, the Horn FM. We welcome in Jeff Howe. Jeff, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you all this morning? We, we're great. We appreciate your time. All right, let's dive in. Bay, uh, Texas is a sixth seed, and uh, they're going to open with Virginia Tech. What was your initial thoughts when, when you saw the brackets?
1: Other than the fact that I get to make a trip to lovely Milwaukee in the middle of March, um, no disrespect <laughs> <trip> to Milwaukee. <laughs> Um it's, not, it's probably out a preferred destination. But, no, I, in all seriousness, I mean, I, you know, when the season started uh, and you looked at the regional sites, you're thinking, all right, this Texas team probably has a really good chance to uh, to get to Fort Worth and, and play in that sub-regional. Uh, unfortunately, Calendary, uh, kind of Texas played down the stretch, killed any sort of chance uh, they had to do that. You know, had a really big availability yesterday with Chris Beard uh, and, all, and pretty much every major significant rotational player. That Texas has right now, and the one word Tom that, that keeps coming up is something they're going to need. Uh, You're going know, to get on Friday against Virginia Tech is toughness. Uh, they're you know, mental, mental toughness, physical toughness, toughness to take care of the basketball, uh, toughness to go rebound because this Virginia Tech team, uh, Texas, again, given the way they play, when you slide further, you know, I think when you look at it, they had a chance. I think maybe had they gotten to the Big Twelve Tournament Championship game. Uh, maybe they could have gotten themselves to the four line, but losing the first game to TCU uh, knocked them down to the sixth line, and that means you draw one of the hottest teams in the country in, in Virginia Tech. And, you know, you look at Virginia Tech, they were 10-10. and 10. They had a late January loss at home to Miami. They were 10-10. and 10. they won 13 of 15 since then. Uh, pretty convincing win over Duke in the ACC championship game. So that, although, all those stunts. Time we're going through my head, and then yesterday, uh, it just kind of goes back to the uh, kind of reinforce some of that, that there's still just that one thing that this team seems to be missing in crunch time to make those necessary plays they just haven't made, and I think Chris Beard and his players are hitting it on the head. Uh, it's toughness. They don't know. They can't quite put their finger on exactly what it is, how to define it, but They're just kind of missing that one thing. But whatever it is, uh, they're going to need to find it because their stay in the tournament could be really quick if they don't have it because this Virginia Tech team is really, really good.
0: We talk about it all the time, which Texas team is going to show up. But correct me if I'm wrong, defensively this Texas team is in a pretty good spot. It's it's the inconsistency at the offensive end that will drive you nuts.
1: You know, I think, Tom, if you look at the numbers and I think that's kind of the – the 30,000 foot view of this team. But when they're at their best, their defense is generating offense for them. They they were never going to be a team, nor are they a team that's just going to gut you in, in a half court offensive situation if it turns into a half court game. They've got to be generating live ball turnovers and be scoring off of those live ball turnovers. That's just the way this team is wired. I think that Chris, Chris Beard's best teams at Texas Tech, uh, yes, you know, you look at that team that went to the national championship and they did have a guy like Jared Bover, uh Culver in the half court to generate his own shot and get them a bucket in crunch time. Uh, but I think this is a team that we're really their defense has to be feeding into their offense, like I said, scoring off a live of ball turnovers and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, you're, you're right overall, Tom, the inconsistency on offense. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily buy into the fact that they need to have one guy. Uh, that, that that is the go-to guy in crunch time because they've got guys that have been that guy at various times in their career or, or this year. I mean, we've seen Marcus Carr do it. We've seen Timmy Allen do it. We've seen Andrew Jones do it. Uh, I just think they've got to have games where you need probably three of those guys that I just mentioned. Don't call your Raymond in that mix too. You've got to have about uh, three guys that can go get your bucket. Man, the number Chris Beard has actually pointed to You've really got to figure out a way to get four guys in a double figures. That's when they're really good on offense. But again, that comes in a number of different ways. Uh, is that Marcus Carr, uh, you know, playing downhill and getting to the foul line where he has a game where he he, he goes eight for eight from the line? Uh, is that Christian, Christian Bishop getting offensive rebounds and putbacks where he can get to double figures? So uh, it's not just you know hitting three point shots or, or again being crisp in the half court. Again, it's scoring off live ball turnovers, it's playing downhill, getting to the foul line, and uh, and finding a way to to get offensive rebounds to kind of manufacture offense to get you so, to get you those guys in double figures. Jeff Chris Beard's grade in year one as the Longhorns leader. Um, right now, I would say probably you know probably a, a solid B. Um, you know, I, I think from the outside word, I think we probably underestimated number one how difficult it is to put this thing together on the fly Uh, and that kind of dovetails into the second part of that I think when you look at the programs across the country that really succeed uh, adding guys to the transfer portal, you know Scott done this at Baylor go around the country and look at other places that have been successful adding guys they're getting players that are the same caliber uh, and you can judge whether they're good you know better or not as good as some of the guys Texas got but there's already a culture in place. There's already a foundation established. And, you know, for a first-year head coach to really come in, and a lot of it was because you lost so many guys off that roster last year, to you're, you're gutting this roster. You're trying to get these new guys to buy into your culture. At the same time, you had some holdovers from the of Smart era. You're trying to get those guys acclimated to the way you do things. Uh, I think it was a lot, uh, so I would give him a B. But like I said, at the end of the day, you know, you look—they're 21 and 11. They they finished in the top 25 of the AP poll. They did get a 6 seed in the tournament, which is a decent seed, but it, it could have been a lot more. And you know, I know, folks, myself included, kind of knocked it on conference schedule. You wish they had played a little bit more of a challenging non-conference schedule. Uh, But there was a lot of games, you know, the Baylor game at home, the Kansas game on the road. There were a lot of games that they were in. I just didn't make this flat, didn't make enough plays down the stretch. So I think overall, yes, I know the preseason expectations were what they were, but I I think for year one, I, I would give Chris Beard a solid B. Jeff, obviously, Texas got a a tough draw with Virginia Tech in the first round, but when you look at the Big 12 as a whole, how many teams do you think from this conference make it past the Sweet 16? Boy, I tell you what. I think, you know, you look at that east region that Texas and Baylor are in, the, the committee did Baylor and Texas, no favors. Uh, that, to me, is a loaded reason. I think when you look at UCLA uh, being the four, uh, just go up and down. The list. I mean, look at the 7-10 in that region. I mean, you've got Murray State and San Francisco. That's two really good mid-major programs playing each other those those teams probably should have been seated higher and definitely not playing each other and in the same region uh so i think baylor when you look at all four regions then they've got i think by far the toughest route to get to uh of anybody um you know i think i think the one that really intrigues me guys and i know they're an 11 seed, and we're going to see a double digit seed or two make the sweet 16 It happens every year the one that really intrigues me is Iowa State. I think getting a first-round draw with LSU, again that game is going to be in Milwaukee. Uh, you watch Iowa State, and on a given night, if they're really cooking from, behind, from beyond the arc, they can be a really tough out. And I think given the way that LSU program is in shambles right now, I wouldn't be shocked if we looked up at the end of the weekend and Iowa State is one of those double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16. So I think they've got a crack at it. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know you like Baylor and Kansas's chances, and then uh, you know I think Texas has a shot. But again, uh, you know that goes back to some of the stuff we talked about initially. Can they manufacture enough offense uh, to be in a position to where they can win the game in the last three or four minutes? Uh, That's the key for me. I think of all those the one that I think could be a sneaky dangerous team in this tournament
0: so Jeff uh six teams on the men's side six teams on the women's side of those six teams on the women's side four get to host including Texas and Baylor and and that obviously is a is a benefit to the to the program and to the league
1: yeah and I I, I think uh you know you look at what Vic Schaefer has done at, at Texas Tom uh it's we talk about that toughness, that, that little intangible thing, whatever it is that Chris Beard, and the men are missing. Vic Schaefer and the women's team have it. And when they're really good, they talk about, you know, you get the, 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 the question, the kind of that over oh, that, you know, big picture question. You know, what was it that helped you win this game? And whether it's Rory Harmon, any of the players, Vic Schaefer, they'll tell you it was toughness. It was toughness. And they needed every bit of toughness uh, to go get that win over Baylor on Sunday in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, these are going to be the last two basketball games, period, ever in the history of time at the Irwin Center. So I should think there's a, a palpable excitement right now in and around Austin about women's basketball and getting down to the drum uh, and seeing these last two games. We'll see how that turns out in terms of ticket sales. But uh, yeah, and I, and I think when you look at that, that region tom that texas is in uh you know they're the two seed lsu sitting there probably you're looking at the sweet 16 game where does texas have to get through kim mulkey yet again to get to where they want to go and then you know a team they've already beaten in stanford is the one seed in that region so uh you don't want to say easy draw you don't want to say favorable draw but that is one heck of an intriguing draw that texas has to get through their side of the bracket Just how hot did this Longhorn team, the the women basketball team, get toward the end of the season? It it seems like that they really started hitting a high point. Rory Harmon, I mean, I think that's what it all boils down to. I think when you look at at the way she led this team, the way she scored, and the fact that she did it without turning the basketball over. You know, we talked to Vic Schaefer, Craig Way, and I did on our show yesterday. He said that's the most special thing about that kid. We see how much she scores. We see the plays she makes. But the fact that her basketball IQ, her playmaking ability, her, and her court awareness uh, for somebody as young as she is, uh, I've heard the comparisons, and I don't think they're that off. Could she be for the Texas women's program and Vic Schaefer could she do for that program what TJ Ford did for Rick Barnes in a men's basketball program? Uh, I don't think they're that far off because you look at everything she brings to the table from a leadership standpoint, a playmaking standpoint, uh, and I don't, you know, I know they got contributions from a lot of other girls, but I think it all goes back to Rory Harmon. I think Texas has a really, really special player uh, with quite a few years left in the program.
0: Jeff, man, we appreciate your time. What are you working on for two four seven?
1: Yeah, uh, I've got a. Uh, Texas wrapping up, you know, the baseball team, Tom, you, you've had a chance to see them a little bit. They're, they're wrapping up a stretch, uh, an 11 game stretch where they're playing 10 games away from home. Uh, they've got two this week against College of Charleston and the Citadel coming off a, a game at a weekend where they drop two or three South Carolinas. So We've got some baseball, tons of basketball, football recruiting. Arch Manning, uh, nephew of, uh, of Peyton and Eli, son of Cooper, grandson of Archie, has locked in uh, a return visit to Texas. Uh, coming up soon. So we've got plenty of Arch Manning coverage on the site. So a little bit of everything going on right now.
0: All right, we got to know. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Monday Night Football. Thumbs up, thumbs down.
1: Oh, two big thumbs up. I, I love Buck and Aikman. They are my favorite uh, commentary team. Uh, I love Aikman as a uh, – and, and I, that's got more to do with how I feel about Aikman as a, as a color analyst. I don't know what the opinions of, of you guys and the listeners are, but maybe that's just blind loyalty as a, as a lifelong fan of the Dallas football Cowboys, but I'm really excited about that team. Look, if this means that that we get better games than, you know, Browns, Jags on Monday night, no disrespect to any Browns or Jaguars fans listening, but if this just means we get one more night of the week with better football games, I'm all for it.
0: Well, that was one of the things that we were talking about. Sunday night's kind of become Monday night, and Monday night's kind of almost become a throwaway at times.
1: Yeah, but as a kid that grew up on Monday Night Football when you're trying to stay up late on a school night and you know, <laughs> sneak, your, sneak, your head, sneak your head around the corner to the living room TV, I, I love some good games, good competitive games on Monday Night.
0: I hear you. Hey, Jeff, thanks. Safe travels. Enjoy Milwaukee. I know you're going to have a grand old time in Milwaukee, so we want you to enjoy that.
1: I'll do my best. If anybody's got Milwaukee recommendations, uh, I'll take them.
0: The Bobblehead Museum, man. Oh, you—that's right. You can go to the 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 bobblehead museum in in, in Milwaukee. We were just we, we just did a little deal on there. Uh, I'll send you the address, man. You're going to be excited. It's 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 the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum, and it's located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I, I think a good reporter has to go do something on that.
1: I'll, how about this, Tom? Send me the address. I'll, I'll do a book report for you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff thanks. See you
0: later, man.